Hey guys, this is John with a quick content warning at the top of the episode. This episode is going to dive a little bit into mental illness and suicidal ideation, just due to the content of the movie that we watched. So if you feel like you need to skip this one, go ahead. Okay, so I really like this movie, but there is one thing in it that does genuinely make me mad. What's that? The New York privilege. The the school system? No, not the school system. The live music availability. Oh, I've seen Radiohead like twice. Like, what the heck? Well, also, late 2000s availability? I guess it was just like, that was literally the year before King of Limbs came out. They would have been touring a lot more. Yeah. Still. Don't you love just being able to, yeah, we should definitely go see Vampire Weekend sometime soon. Like, for sure. It's like, yes, we get it. All the bands come to you all the time. They come here. Not not as conveniently. I don't know. I'm just mad about it. Some would say we have Atlanta privilege. Yeah, Atlanta privilege. Pollen. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch every movie in our movie library in alphabetical order. This week we watched... It's kind of a funny story. Yes! <laughs> Directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, based on a novel by Ned Vizzini. Similar to the novel, in a lot of ways. I ended up reading it. You read it? it. Yeah, oh, I read nice. it. I watched this movie for the first time my senior year of high school. And then I read the novel, I think, my freshman year of college. You watched the movie and then you were, okay, okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My brain hurt. <laughs> it's okay. Your brain is in a place right now. Two tests coming up. Quarantine study time. Yes! Quarantine, remote class, remote tests. Still Wolf. a nightmare. <laughs> no, I can't even imagine. Like, when I had take-home tests, they generally were, here are three questions that you have three days to work on. Give me good essays based on all of those evidence sourced and based. Because, you know, I was in communications classes. That is not what it is for you. No. What what are your tests like right now? (laughs) Well, there's always two parts. Two parts. One part, put the the little names to the structure. And by structure, you mean anatomy part, right? Yeah. Well, sometimes. And the other part is, um, here's a bunch of short answer. Hope you can give me a paragraph for all of them in an hour. Good luck. <sighs> it's your fault if you don't answer them all, because you should have been ready. Eminently stressful. Just, oh, I can't even, like, I imagine the normal test-taking environment just sucks. Mm. But, like. No. This, I, I'm so used to it now. I also feel like this is. This is more stressful for me, too, because I feel like I need to be quiet and keep the dogs quiet the entire time, or I'm going to break your concentration. And the problem is, this is usually around when I'm supposed to be cooking dinner. I'm so scared that I'm being, like, secretly monitored that if I do anything other than, like, flip a page or, like... Yeah, no, like, I don't even want to, like, walk in front of your... Because you use testing software that is technically has access to your microphone and camera, right? Yeah, but you can see, like, on the settings, it doesn't say, like, camera or anything. Or audio. It says, like, all that's turned off. So, you're under, say, a lot of educational stress right now, would you say? Eh, you could say. Now, would you say, very similar to Craig, maybe not on the same level, (laughs) huh? (laughs) 
it's kind of a funny story is either a teen movie masquerading as a mental health movie or a mental health movie masquerading as a teen movie. Now, I thought about this a lot while we were watching. I'm like, it's technically a teen movie, but it didn't feel like exactly like a teen movie. It used some of the conventions of a teen movie for oh, yeah. sure. There was absolutely the shoehorned in th- mo- uh, quick romance, you know. Yeah, like, but it's but it still didn't feel that forced because you knew that they were under a time limit anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like the the like three to five day romance is a very standard convention in these kind of movies anyway. Yeah, and like sure, they're not necessarily believable. And like I've I've watched more believable romances this weekend, even and even those weren't super believable. But at the same time, what romances were you watching? Well, I'm talking about a uh, love wedding repeat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Munn and Sam Claflin. A gem. It Go was, watch it on Netflix yeah, if you have a, fun, a second. It's by the same uh, directed and written by the same guy who wrote Death at a Funeral, which we've discussed on this podcast. If you enjoy awkward events, then this and uh, British humor, then this is definitely for you. Oh, the kilt though. We're not talking about it. it's kind of a funny story. I think this I think this is one of those that I might talk around a lot, if I'm being honest. Because it, similar to Inception, is a nostalgic favorite from a certain time in my life. But I would I would honestly say it holds up better than Inception. Wow, that is a rough take for me to hear. <laughs> We're just you're just never gonna you're never gonna let me live that down. No, I think it's been ruined for me. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Let's talk about this movie. Uh, So, something that was fun, and I remember discovering this when Captain Marvel came out and then forgetting it again, is that Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck also directed Captain Marvel. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I could see... There's there's a point that you brought up while we were watching this movie. It sounds like 2010. And feels like 2010. Yeah, and and looks looks like... Yeah. And something that they did really well was getting the signifiers of the 90s in on Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. And I think that the difference is because it was contemporary when it came out. Like, it's kind of a funny story. Well, you immediately said, well, that's not the same because Captain Marvel was made now and supposed to be in the 90s, whereas that was made during the time. And let me put it this way. The visual signifiers still very much felt like a movie made in the MCU. You know, it still had that same cutting style in, especially in the fight scenes. But... I will say the similarities between Captain Marvel and this. I th- think they used Zoom really well, and they used a, a, a moving camera really well. Place? Oh, God. <laughs> I can't... Yeah, I can't talk about film Zooms anymore. Oh, I miss the before times. Do you miss the, the before, before times? times? <laughs> Honestly, everything's just about the same. I'm just doing a little less commuting. Uh, I miss it because I miss social interaction. You see, this is the difference. That's nice. <laughs> I work well. I work from home. Yeah. All the time. Right. So, the social interaction that I get on the weekend is what I get. <gasps> That's me. <laughs> you could probably go uh, see some of our new neighbors that I didn't know lived here. If yeah. you wanted to go on a walk at some point. Yeah. Or you know, we could hang out with the people who keep throwing parties next oh door. Oh my god! No, I don't think we're young enough. No, that's that was a sarcastic. I'm very annoyed at them right now. <laughs> but anyway, so this is this is a hard time to record this, honestly, <laughs> because there's just so much going on that I want to spill my guts into the microphone about. But let's let's talk about this movie. You know what this movie made me do? It made me miss my therapist. 
Did it? There isn't that many therapy scenes. There were like three therapy scenes, but they were accurate therapy scenes. So you're telling me to be a therapist, you only have to say like three sentences a session, and then usually they just go. Well, they didn't. No, it depends on this. <laughs> it depends on the patient. Though Craig seems kind of like how you would be, because she like she kind of asked him one thing. He was like, "Yeah, that's how it relates to my life. Let me go on off this uh on this monologue." As opposed to most like TV shows and movies where the character they ask them one question and they're like, "I'm not telling you." But you see, that's the point of this movie. Is it's like it's about someone who does want to get like, better he and want to heal. Hundred percent wanted help. Like that is so different like yeah than how you thought this was gonna go there's a deleted scene on the dvd i remember because i watched it a while where he actually does call the suicide line really yeah no and the suicide line is actually a little bit incompetent kind oh, of oh no it's, it's played for comedy and that's what i also like about this is like it takes these like very horrifying moments in a person's life and it's and it doesn't like it makes it funny it makes it comedy without punching down at yeah. that person. You know? Like, it's it's absolutely finding the dark humor in that situation without saying, and also the situation isn't as serious as it sounds. Like, that opening sequence where he has the dream about jumping off of the Brooklyn Bridge... And then he, and then his family all discusses how disappointed they would be in the dream. That yeah, suddenly they're all on the bridge with him, telling him how it's so selfish of him to be doing this. <laughs> but like, that's a real thing, mm -hmm. you know. As anyone who has like gone well, through like think about. depression or anxiety, yeah. it's like, oh, that's what you think about, yeah. you know. And I think it did a really good job of illustrating the, the difficulty of talking to talking to people about stuff like this. Like, there's... <clears throat> the sequences that I like the most, honestly, I think are the montages. There are a few montages what, where what he did... monologues over. Oh, I'm just thinking about the Under Pressure <laughs> Oh, the Under Pressure... The Under Pressure Dream well, Sequence. Well, why don't we do a quick summary? Because I don't think a lot of people have probably read this one. Or, or seen... Or, or both. Watched. I guess I read it. Am I... <laughs> <laughs> In this, um, this movie is about a 16-year-old, I think he's 16. Yeah, he's like late played, high school. Named Craig, a uh, white kid in Brooklyn, played by Kira Gilchrist, who is suicidal and has recently gone off of his Zoloft, um, and as a result, goes into the emergency room, because the suicide hotline told him to go, and is... <laughs> he's very by-the-book kid, and it's so funny. <laughs> he's, anyway. He, um... If I'm being honest, it's pretty similar to how I was in high school. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, of course, they told me to go, I'm going to go. And so they admit him, basically. And he, after he asked specifically, he's like, because the entire thing is like, I can't really do anything without your parents' consent, and he doesn't want his parents to necessarily get involved at this stage. And Asif Manvi, like, recognize who's playing the doctor in, like, a bit part, but I love Asif Manvi, so I have to point it out. He um, admits him because he asked specifically, he's like, I'm seriously worried about myself. I'm, like, worried about what's going to happen. He's, like, honestly, Craig is, like, kind of, besides the going off of his meds part of it, mm -hmm. he's kind of the model of a person who's, like, coping well with a mental health issue. Yeah. Like, who, who like, recognizes when he actually needs to reach out Yeah, like, out he's actually help. already been to therapy and all of that. Yeah. He's just having a hard time because he decided he wanted to probably to focus on school, honestly. Yeah, and, and also because he went off his meds unsupervised, yeah. which is what you are not, not supposed to do 
ever because as he put it well i was feeling better and then viola davis <laughs> dr Vi- dr viola davis <laughs> uh, what can't she do what? lawyer doctor cry without snot professional that's what cry. she can't do oh uh, she, she did not cry in this movie did not cry in this movie refreshing he um so he is admitted into the adult wing of the psychiatric hospital because the teen wing is under renovations which to go ahead and you said something specific that would you said that would never happen right no i didn't say that honestly it sounds pretty realistic for somewhere that's overburdened like basically i know in like this is kind of different but like behavioral issues wise like if you were going to like group like like older kids would probably get grouped together and like yeah I can see a situation where at least young adults and teens would probably be together. And this adult psychiatric wing is a who's who of character actors. Because you've got <laughs> Novella Nelson playing the uh, obsessive compulsive professor. Uh, you've got... Uh, God, I'm forgetting names right now. But just a lot of guys who I, who you see pop up in like uh, Noah Baumbach movies or like in bit parts yeah, on bit TV. Actors. Like, uh-huh. it's It's really... Quite good, the casting in this film. And, of course, at the head of them all, is our good friend coming hot off the hangover a year, I think literally a year before. Oh, really? Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. Let's talk about Zach. He's great. He's great. Zach, the thing that he's really good at, it's kind of... He's the relatable guy. Right. Well, well, yeah, but at the same time, I think the thing that he's really good at is playing the clown, but also playing the sad clown. You know, like I want to say he has. <laughs> well, I want to say he has that the same kind of skill set as like a Joaquin Phoenix, but no. more honed. No, I knew you were going there when you said sad clown, and I'm not, so not upset. Jo- not even in Joker, though. Like her. I'm. Yeah, I think about her. Yeah, I think about he's he's a. An actor He's who knows disappointed me so much this year. Who knows how to control his physicality very, very well, and he's like very aware of like the expressions on his face. And he's we know him for those like big and broad moments in something like The Hangover, but at the same time, I still think you see some of that. Like the point of the character, his character in The Hangover, is that he is literally stunted in his growth. He's like a man child who doesn't know how to relate to other people. Whereas I think he's doing the opposite here where he's being like the ultimately relatable person who at the same time has attempted suicide six times and is still like dealing with problems as to how to function fully as a human. Mm -hmm. Like he has these great social relationships. He he knows how to handle life inside of the Yeah, everyone at the facility like loves him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I used a bad word there. I said asylum. That's not. Oh what, gosh! Oh no. god! Because this this was in a hospital. This is kind <laughs> of the opposite of a one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of situation. This is like, this is, if I'm being honest, maybe one of the only truly positive portrayals of a psychiatric facility. I've also never heard of I've a seen. psychiatric facility like in a hospital. Well, I know it's I've, I've thing, heard about, yeah, but they're pretty rare from what I can understand because it takes a lot of money and resources and a lot of hospitals don't, or a lot of people that build hospitals don't account for those like yeah. sorts of it's sad that it's an extra thing, but okay. I said I was going to pull up that list of character actors. I'm pulling up that it? list of character actors. It? Yeah, I got it right here. We're talking Bernard White, Muktada, 
Talking Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham. Lorelai freaking Gilmore is the mom. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan. Stand-up comedian Jim Gaffigan is George Gilner. Matthew Marr, who is a well-known, pro- who is a producer of like the new- in the New York indie scene, but also like shows up in pretty much every Noah Baumbach movie, like including like Francis Ha and Marriage Story and everything. Oh, and uh, oh, while we're young, I think the uh, what the, is that? the the Adam Driver Amanda Seyfried Ben Stiller movie. Where, uh, I was asleep for half of that. Oh, I think you would like it if you watched yeah, it again. Yeah, me too. I think you would like it a lot. Adrian Martinez, who he currently is playing the uh, chef on Stumptown, the uh, Mexican chef. Yeah, that's the one guy I recognized. Yeah, no, he's a lot of fun. He was, I think he had a bit in Glee, a bit part in Glee as well. I think he worked at the Bed Bath & Beyond with Schuster's wife. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> And he was in Lady and the Tramp as the uh, dog catcher, the the live oh, action yeah, version, yeah. which was actually surprisingly good. <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, but I uh, I really liked his performance in this. He, the you see the thing is, these are people who are just kind of like acting like people. They don't necessarily ever get into what's specifically wrong mm-hmm. with all of them yeah like, there, like there's like a still life kind of aspect to this movie there's like one there's like one sequence where they talk about two of the patients and like why they ended up there and like what it what and it's always like something specific that caused them to become kind of maladjusted there's always like a triggering event that kind of like reveals what was going on underneath like the patriot act for the professor or taking a hundred tab- tabs of acid in one night for so for solomon <laughs> the acetic acid head <laughs> God, no, the Hasidim skating down the Brooklyn Bridge. Man. Oh, they're just summing well well done visual sequences in this film. There's, I think, one of my favorites that conveys, like, that manages to convey, like, a quiet intensity before something breaks open. There's a sequence where Bobby has just returned, uh, Zach Galifianakis' character, has just returned from an interview for a group home for him to go to when he... Uh, leaves the facility and he believes that he has bombed the interview and he's having a conversation with Craig that is initially just very quiet. He just seems kind of sad. And there's one point where the camera like quickly zooms in on Galifianakis and then quickly zooms in on Keir Gilchrist playing Craig. And like, while they're like just talking to each other and asking each other what's going on. And then the camera immediately, like not even like a zoom out, it just hard cuts and you see an angle of, both of them almost side by side. Like he's sitting at the table and he's sitting on the couch, but where they are in the frame is side by side, even if they're slightly off depth as compared to this shot reverse shot with the zoom that was going on before that has them kind of opposed to each other. And that's when Galifianakis grabs the pillow and starts screaming into it. And you have to watch Craig witness this, witness this person who he thought of as really put together and like someone who understood things and someone who, knew what he knew what was going on break down in front of him and have to be like pulled away by orderlies oh by the way one of the orderlies played by and this is this was something that i really liked the ponytail guy uh well he didn't have a pony well, yeah i guess he did have a ponytail in some of the scenes jeremy davies who is best known as the corporal from saving private ryan who uh they bring along to map and write down with for the intel and the countryside he's the one who's initially he's clearly seen this movie far too many he's times he's the one who's initially afraid to fire a gun and like argues for releasing the nazi prisoner like oof, he is so good in that movie well 
I like him in that movie because he's the character that I feel like I would the I would be the most like in an actual war zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great film. We'll talk about it at some point, maybe. Oh boy. <laughs> um But you see the thing is he there's something interesting too. Nobody wears scrubs in the facility except for like the specific nurses. Like the, I found that odd. I don't know if that would really be a thing. I don't think they would let people walk around. Well, but then again, I've never seen a like an actual like rehabilitative psych ward facility. Because remember, they said it's not a ward; it's a hospital. I think, and I think that's something that they tried to do in the film too. Because they they were like, "This isn't a place that you're being restrained in. This isn't a place that you're yeah being forced to stay at." Stay the visitors like, thing was surprising too. They just got to have whoever just stroll up and visit them every day. Yeah. Which I don't think would be a thing. I think they usually try to keep you away from people for a while. I think it depends on what where? kind of situation you're in and where you are. Like, I think someone like Craig, it makes sense because even though he ha- was having serious suicidal ideation, he hadn't made an attempt yet. He wasn't necessarily... But, but then again, the people he's in there with have said that they were, like, Zach Galifianakis. Big level. Gal- <laughs> Zed G. He uh- <laughs> said that he attempted six yeah. times. Yeah. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. The one person that I have had experience with that had to be admitted somewhere like that, like I wasn't able to talk to her for like a week. <laughs> right. So. And it again, it all depends on the circumstances. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think now here is the here is where the uh, typical teen movie conventions start to come in. There's other teens there. There are other teens there. One of those teens is a young Emma Roberts, who I uh, guess at that age times, was just good times. Was just Emma when Roberts. It was okay. Yeah. Because oh, if I remember correctly, Nancy Drew would have come out around then. Yeah, you're right. That actually. movie was so cute. <laughs> um, and she is she is someone who has self harmed and is in the facility because they're worried that she might self harm again. But she seems to be. I think the they're play, she's playing with the other teens a game where they're trying to name celebrity suicides, which is a move, but it definitely off puts Craig a little bit because he's like, I think that's the thing too. He's coming at this with the no one can know that I'm mentally ill. Feeling. Well, kind of. I think he's just worried about his like asshole friends more yeah. so than no one can know. Right. Well, yeah, he does tell his mom, like, no one at school can know. But, it, I mean, that's a real thing that you have to worry about when you're, like... Like, some colleges don't see that as some, like, great thing that you overcame. They're like, well, you can't handle my rigor. Like, that's a serious consideration that you have to, like, think about for, like, med school and stuff. You have to frame it in just the right way so that they don't see you as weak. And it's really a kind of not great. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's something that, like... Well, I mean, I went, I went to Georgia Tech. They have... A high suicide rate, to say the least. And it's not great. It's very mentally stressful to be there. But there's a... And there's a... There has been, historically, a stigma around it. Because there's this entire, you know, sleep is for the weak mentality. Or, you know, the grind... Rise and grind. The grind don't stop. That kind of thing. You literally need sleep. I know. So there's this mentality that a lot of people... In high school, like specifically in that kind of high school, he went to basically the best magnet school in New York within the story. Yeah. Like the one specific, executive pre-professional they called it. So specifically. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> you know, 
for overachievers <laughs> framed like that mm-hmm. in a really good sequence where he's like narrating the realities of the education system for him that has a, a really great moment where he's doing a uh, voiceover narration, but then it cuts to him standing in the hallway and it goes from diegetic voiceover to in-scene voiceover. Mm-hmm. The school scene was really good. Oh, and uh, who does he go to school with? Zoe Kravitz. Baby Zoe Kravitz. Baby probably Kravitz. like 20 or 21 and when this who, was filmed. I don't know who her boyfriend was. Uh, he never was shown up again ever. He's been around. He's nope. been in a couple he's of gone. movies. He was not any movies that we've seen. I Wait, I think he... If I'm not incorrect, which I probably am, but he I... He looked like the Ned's Declassified Kid. No, Kong Skull Island. That's the movie that... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That was a great film. Don't even... Actually, I do I think I remember liking that one a lot. <laughs> He's been in a... Oh, and he was also in Lady and the Tramp as the husband. What? Yeah! Talk about a glow up. <laughs> oh, and apparently he was in season three of Fargo. So... What? Oh, we... We're in the middle of we our... We need to look for him, though. Or, or was it season two? Thaddeus... No, season three. He was in season three of Fargo, so we're in the middle of our Fargo rewatch getting ready for season four, and we just got to season three, so I am excited to see him show up in there. Oh, he's 28. Yeah. The age that I may or may not be about to be. So he's our age, like more so than Zoe was at that point. Yeah. Zoe is 31. She looks... That's the thing. They cast teens that looked like teens in this one. Yeah, which is always appreciated. Yes. It wasn't a CW situation. Where you've got a 30-year-old playing 15. <laughs> or an MTV situation, if we're being honest. Um, and speaking of MTV, let's talk. Holy crap, that's the montage you were talking about then, right? Yes, let's talk that. My favorite montage in the movie. He sa- She says, well, what happens if you don't finish out this summer, ap- this summer program <laughs> application? And he says, well, then I won't get to study in advance, which means that I won't get into a good college. Well, which I won't have extracurriculars, which means I won't get into a good college, which means that I won't get a good job, which means that I won't be successful, which means that I won't have a good home, which means that I will never find a good relationship. And it's, he says, my brain does this cycling thing. And it is such a realistic portrayal of the way you catastrophize when you have anxiety. But the, but the montage blows it up even more. (laughs) He's like, doesn't, like he doesn't become, he like becomes pres, like he's supposed to become president. Yes. And then like. Is like a billionaire with a house on Chris. On MTV. He's like, what's up, MTV? It's your boy Craig Gildner. And that was itself a very j- of its era joke. Yes. God, I don't think. I think the closest. People probably thing wouldn't to, get that now, would they? Like, there was like a little teens. Snapchat show that Cribs did for a little while. I think they. Oh, I think no. Steve Aoki and Bella Thorne were both on. Oh my god. <laughs> At the same time? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, it's of its of its era, I think. Um, the soundtrack is also it's done by Broken Social Scene, Canadian post rock supergroup that no one knows about. That most people other than you know about. Let me. Uh, most people into a certain scene of music, like hmm, Twitter poll. <laughs> uh, oh my god, we haven't done a Twitter poll in forever. <laughs> Associated acts include Metric Feist. Those are the two that you Feist know the best. Gone. Feist. I don't know what happened to Feist. I think Feist is still around. Feist did that one music video 
that everyone freaked out about. Then she was on Sesame Street, and then she was just gone. Oh, she did a song for the Legion soundtrack in uh, Season 1, Episode 4. In 2016? 2017. 2000. She released oh, an album. Oh, she's still alive. Okay. Yeah, she released an album in 2017. Really? Called Pleasure. Oh. So, okay. I don't know. Well, well. worth checking out. Maybe. She was in the Muppet movie. In, like, that first song along with, like, Mickey Rooney. Okay. Yeah. It was good. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, a lot of the movie is framed in conversations. Like, basically, when there's not a montage happening, there's a conversation happening. Yeah. But, like, it's... Craig is, like, learning about himself and his problems through his discussions with these other people who have similar problems, in a way. And Craig sort of takes it upon himself to help the other people who are there as much as he can. And kind of... Yeah, that's the weirdest part about it, is he's, like, such a capable person. Like, he just, like, has a few doubts about himself, which is causing this, like, bigger issue. Yeah, causing him to spiral. But that's the way that it works. Yeah. That's the way that, like, you can be perfectly capable, but if you have some minor setbacks, when paired with this mental illness, with paired with depression and anxiety, it leads you to, you look at these setbacks and you say, yeah, is any of it really worth it, though? Like, is there a point in keeping going? We can answer that question after we go to the concession stand. Okay. So you're at the concession stand. Uh-huh. What are you getting? Popcorn. Okay, but what if I wanted something with more protein? Well, then I open my bag and I pull out my jerky. Ooh, you're sneaking snacks in? Well, what concession stand do you go to that has jerky? My concession stand because I go to Jerky Jet. Ooh, tell me more. So Jerky Jet is a premium craft beef jerky subscription box for anyone looking to discover the world's best craft jerky brands. They've got expert jerky curators who scout the country to find the best artisan jerky to feature in monthly subscriptions, gift orders, and their shop. So it's not just a subscription service. You can order individual jerky or you can order it for somebody else. All the subscription box orders include a curated assortment of delicious gourmet beef jerky based on your flavor and spice preference. Every order is handpicked for you and shipped from Las Vegas every month. Wow. Yeah. So if you are looking for some jerky or maybe like bored of gas station brands, like Jerky Gent is the place to go. Definitely check it out. So how do I get this good, good jerky? Well, the best way to do it while also supporting shows on the Pocket Podcast Network is to go to bit.ly slash jerkygentppn. That's bit.ly slash j-e-r-k-y-g-e-n-t-p-p-n. Have you ever wanted us to send a message? Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes. You can use a pocket note to do just that. Personal, small business, whatever you'd like. They're all available at pocketpodcastnetwork.com slash pocketnotes. Look to my coming on the first light of the fifth day. At dawn, look to the east. We'll read your words on our show. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. You can't see it, but she's facepalming right now. Don't add that on there. Hi, I'm John. I'm Gabe. I'm Chris. We're three friends who went to college together. Hey, Gabe, did you know that Akira Kurosawa has a writing credit on Star Wars? I didn't know that. Good, because I made it up. I have one. The creator of the Frisbee made his ashes into a commemorative run of Frisbees. 
I don't believe you. That's 100% real, my dude. Them's the Facts, a show about fun facts and lying to your friends. Every other Wednesday. On the Pocket Podcast Network. Before the break, we were discussing how Craig experiences, like, difficulty deciding to keep going, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Like, to keep moving forward. And I feel like the thesis statement of this movie is a resounding yes. Keep going, keep moving forward, you know? Right, yeah. Like, the other thesis statement is therapy helpful, therapy good, which... I tend to agree with. Yeah. However, this is where we do start to, in my opinion, encounter one of the problems with this movie. Uh-oh. Which is it's almost too optimistic at the end. Yeah. You know? He he goes through this short period of time and then is just all of a sudden convinced, yes, this is what I need to do to go for, which isn't usually how that works. Now, it can be very helpful. Yeah. But that kind of... it. I don't know, that kind of substantial change that he seems to experience throughout the movie doesn't necessarily happen. But he in five magically days. gets the girl and fixes everything with his best friend and yeah. becomes you know, sure of the. Gets the girl of- even after obviously telling another girl that he loves her yeah, in the middle of the and hallway. Kissing her. A very st- Stupid girl drama. I thought. I thought. Yeah. That, I thought that was one of the weaker things. Like though, it felt very, very high school. It felt high school as fuck. Like yeah. And I think this is one of the issues where the movie needed to decide between being a teen movie and being a movie about mm-hmm. mental illness, you know, yeah. and like the relationships that are formed under this kind of struggle. And especially at the end, it becomes pretty rushed, I think. Like, yeah, they try to tie up everything really neatly really, and really quickly. Neatly. And if I remember correctly, it's kind, a kind of similar thing happens in the book, like, there are, like, a couple more, like, stumbling blocks, but, like... Well, that it, sounds very YA. Yeah. Now, worth noting, the author of the book did eventually commit suicide <gasps> himself. Oh, God, really? You didn't know Why this? Why would you? Oh, no. Like, it's... That's a bummer. Yeah, it is kind of a bummer. Because that basically, if he was projecting onto this character, it means that he just pretended, like... But you see, that's, I think, well, I think this is still an optimistic point. Like people do need help. Like, yeah, this is kind of the the point of the story is be willing to ask for help and, but also be willing to help others. Right. And like, that's what the movie like really slams down at the end of it too. It's like, these are all the reasons that I have to keep going. And like, yes, that is a useful tool that is in your toolbox. Like literally my, that's something that my therapist and I like worked on specifically when I was in therapy regularly was like find the reasons and the good things and let those be part of it but when you're in crisis like Craig was that can't be the only thing that you do Mm -hmm. and I feel like they made a good point more at the beginning that like don't go off your meds stay on your meds when you need your meds but I don't think they necessarily drove that home by the end of it that well and I think the bow was almost a little too neat, but I only say almost. Now, I think you know why I only say almost, right? Why do you almost? Why almost? Because of the Bobby plot line. Who's Bobby? Zach Galifianakis. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the, Bobby's ending. He doesn't, he doesn't fix everything. He just gets into the group home. And frankly, it's heavily implied 
that Craig had- <gasps> Yeah. He at the end the guy tells Craig he's like, Oh, where's Bobby? And he's like, Oh, he he left early this morning. And then in the final montage when Craig's talking about all the things that he's going to do, he says, Help people like Bobby. And it's like he doesn't say help Bobby and like there's nothing in like the future the projected future montage of him ever seeing Bobby. Right. Again. Like you think they may have kept in touch if he was alive. Yeah, something like that. And there's sort Oof. of this implication that Bobby couldn't handle it you know like Mm -hmm. and i think that's an important note to leave it on there it's like some people need a lot of help and some and you're not going to get better instantly every time well you read the book did did it say like i don't actually remember i I could look on the shelf but it's i don't know it's it's one of those things that's left very ambiguous and like you don't really know what's going to happen to all the other characters in there is well like yeah we know that this is like that montage is very much idealized like it's we don't know that that's how craig's life is going to go either but the movie seems to be throwing this idea that if he makes art continues to make art continues to do the things that he likes to do living his life for himself rather than necessarily for his father Mm -hmm. like he will continue on yeah we didn't talk about his daddy problems yeah (laughs) but okay his dad was like what i I don't know it isn't to me, it didn't seem like his dad was forcing him into this internship. He just heavily implied that he thought it would be a good idea for him to do. And pretty much everyone at his school was trying to get this internship, too. Well, the other thing, though, is that his dad wasn't listening to him. I think yeah. that's the crux of the issue, is that his dad had a was better at telling than listening and didn't really necessarily want to get into the nitty-gritty of what was actually going on with him and was instead projecting this idea of, this is what you should do to be successful onto him. And he was really taking that to heart. Also, I thought the stress vomiting was a pretty good comedy, uh, <laughs> c- comedy device. Ugh. Something, something that Ryan Johnson also used in his great film knives out. Gosh, <laughs> I've never met anyone with this condition and I hope never to. Oh, that's rude to people with this condition. It's gross. I mean, to be so, fair, very... you've seen me deal with vomit. I'm very bad with vomit as well. Like, Yeah. I mean, I can handle it. I just don't enjoy No one enjoys this. No one enjoys it. <laughs> I'm so sorry if you have this problem. Mm-hmm. I think there's just one other standout sequence, which is when Bobby is uh, has the ice cream and they do a West Wing style walk and talk in the hallway. <laughs> Oh my god, and then he lets his friend eat the <laughs> Eat what's ice, left of yeah. it. it. West Wing style walk and talk even to the point where another character who they've already passed yells down the, something down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> it's... I love that sequence. I love that shot. I will always love it whenever I see it in film. Like, we we were re-watching Parks and, some Parks and Rec recently because what else are you going to do? And they have that, they have that uh, one specific West Wing tribute episode that Bradley Whitford is on, and it's... It's not directly a West Wing tribute episode unless you've watched The West Wing and you know who Bradley Whitford <laughs> played and you know the signifiers oh, we that all they know. put in there. Like, uh, well, I mean, just the, uh, like, even the little napkin that says Pilner for Pawnee. Like, it's just, oh, <laughs> uh, it gets me every time. I get shivers. I get shivers. Wait. What? Wait a minute. Wait, you're saying the West Wing napkin The West Wing napkin Pawnee says, Bar- it? no, it says Bartlett for America. Oh! Yes! <laughs> But in, in in Bradley Whitford's office uh-huh. on that episode of The West Wing, there's a there's a framed napkin that says Pilner for Pawnee in the same <gasps> handwriting. Yeah. So so that links West 
So, well, it's, it's it doesn't link it because he's yes, not playing Josh Lyman, but like but it's clearly their West Wing their West Wing tribute episode, yeah. which is funny because Rob Lowe's on that episode and him and Bradley Whitford never interact. <laughs> <laughs> but as we all know, Rob Lowe loves to leave projects when he thinks he's not getting enough of a spotlight. Woof. And on that note, <laughs> are we ready to rate? Yeah, I think I am. Um, who rated first last time? I don't know. You just go first. Because this is my movie. I thought I went first oh, last time. I, I'm going to rate and then I have just one more comment about the the DVD itself. <sighs> okay. I would give this probably a 3.75. I solid. think, yeah, I think it's a solid indie flick. Like, it does a good job with the teen conventions. It does a good job with the mental health conve- conventions. Paints a little too broadly by the end of it. But, you know, I like the performances. I like the writing. And... Frankly, I think it does a good job with its visual sto- storytelling. Like even with like the like rare an- the little animated sequence in the middle, I think it does a good job. And it, like I said, distills two thousand dead down to its essence. What do you think? <laughs> two thousand den. Yo, leave me! I knew you were going to. Oh, it's on the audio record forever now. Oh no. No, there's definitely no editing oh. software you could utilize here. Yeah, well, I'm oh, gonna well. leave it in. My rate. Oh my god, we didn't pick a thing to rate it for. Well, points, because the point system that they use, obviously. Yeah, that was a. You get two points. That was reading. a big reach there, bud. Okay, fine. Um. I think 3.57. <laughs> this is... Why do we even have a rating it system? It has a feeling to it. I know. No, but you did that specifically Adding to troll numbers. me because 7.5... <laughs> I said 7.5, so you said 5.7. Oh, no. I was just subconsciously <laughs> copying you, I guess. <laughs> I re- no, to be honest, you I like forgot. a little above three you- and a half stars. Now, I- this is horrible, my rating decreased while we were talking about it because in watching, I was very enjoy, I was enjoying it a lot watching it. But then thinking about it now, some of the things that they did in there were kind of hokey, like Absolutely. the art and the music therapy. I, that's not just gonna magically make you feel better and like make you feel like but, five times more introspective. No, but I think the point that they were making is it allows you to create in a way that maybe you in in a no stress environment. You know, and I thought that that environment looks stressful to me. Uh, and you know what? The the under pressure dream sequence was really hokey, but it <laughs> well, was no, also that, that added to the point. It was also a masterpiece. It was incredible. <laughs> the glitter on the cuts on her face, like, uh, like you should watch the movie just for that sequence. Yeah, yeah. You can turn it off after that sequence if you need to. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So I don't think Universal knows how to put trailers on indie teen movies. Because the trailers that we got when we put well, this DVD in... this was 2000 Den. Yes, it was 2000 Den. So, <laughs> and this is 2000 now. <laughs> but uh, we had, let's see, the direct-to-DVD Death Race sequel. Um, God. Uh, we had Beautiful by... What is that? Alejandro González Iñárritu. They were so, they were so uh, random that I've already forgot. Oh, yeah, no, I remember that. Jane Era. Yeah, Jane Era, yeah. Yeah, adaptation. Hera, what is... What is Jane Eyre. I, <laughs> I, I was thinking about it like E I R E, like Ireland. Like oh my. Era. Okay. All right. Um. <laughs> so just a wild mix of trailers that had nothing at yeah. all to do with the movie that we were watching. No, I think. Okay. 
like, I actually think that 10 years ago, when you walked into a movie theater, you got more random, like, you got a more, a mix of different genres. Now, you walk in and it's completely targeted to whatever genre movie you're watching. Like, it's all comedy or all horror or all action. Like, you don't have, like, one com, like, you don't get the mix anymore. That's a fair point. I think it's a, it was a of the time thing. Or you go to the AMC theater in uh, fall of 2018 and you see like 25 different Grinch interstitials. Do you remember that? No. The Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch. What? When Benedict Cumberbatch voiced the Grinch in 2018. No, what? Why? Yeah. it was It was a dark time. For what? For the Grinch, the movie. It was an animated movie and... There what? were interstitials of the Grinch complaining about theater stuff. No. Oh, no, yeah, I remember now that you now. Remember. Okay, well. It was the worst. Was that for Coco? I don't remember. I think no. it was for Coco. I think it was one of the times we saw Coco that that Had happened. Had to be later than that then. Or Wait, no, it was later than that because this was 2018. I don't remember, I but don't it was know. for like every fucking movie that we saw that year. All right, well, we're a member of the Pocket Podcast Network. Other shows include... Sorted. <laughs> Did I just say yours? I said yours. Steampunks. Green Mountain Mysteries. The one with the monsters. The the boys. With Ghoul the tank. Mon- Ghoul tank. Yep. And what's the? There are two more. There are two more. Oof. Um. There are two more that no I. No dice. Give. Yes, very good. Which has special episodes right now, so definitely check those out. Yeah, you helped with those, right? I did help with those. I had a lot of fun with them. And. Them's the boys. Yeah, them's the facts. Oh, of course you'd have to self-promo on this show. (laughs) Of course. All right. I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And I forgot to mention the organ machines. Thank you, boys. Yes, thank you. You're wonderful. I'm John. Don't put too many Blu-rays in the DVD player. Don't buy any more DVDs. Nobody looks at it that way but you We all saw drowning But you were the one with the blood on your hands Saying I never saw that Pocket Podcast Network Quality programming right to your pocket